Praise the Lord. Grab your Bibles, Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. Give honor to our pastor, such a great missionary, visionary, pastor, teacher. He's a true apostle in my eyes. Amen. And we're just privileged to be a part of this great church. Amen. Amen. We're thankful for everything that this church is doing, not only locally, but throughout the world. Amen. For the kingdom's sake. And that's what it's all about. Amen. Makes you feel good to know that you're giving and not just your time, but your, your money, your talent to something that's really in tune with the Lord in these ending days in the kingdom. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to see, I guess, all the snowbirds that are back. A bunch of you out there. And I got a little cold for you up there, didn't it? <laughs> a little cold, a little snowy. You come back home, yeah? You know where home is. It's good to see brother and sister Hoskinson, great friends. From my home church, the Christian Apostolic Church in Newark, Ohio, is where I got the Holy Ghost some 38 years ago. And they were probably there. They probably were one of the ones with their hands laid on me, praying me through to the Holy Ghost. There was a bunch of them there. Now we used to pray people through. Everybody lay your hands on you and rock you around, throw you around, and bang you up against the wall if you didn't get it. And after a while, you got the Holy Ghost. Yes, sir, that's how we did it back then. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you are also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Paul's writing the Philippians here, and I'm not sure of all the details, but they must have been given to him, and then there was a time where they weren't, and he's telling that it's flourishing again. I see where you're, you're back there. He says, not that you didn't ever care for me, but you just didn't know what to do. You lacked the opportunity. Verse 11, he's just thanking him for thinking about him, perhaps an offering to him, caring for him. Verse 11, it says, now that I, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. So Paul's saying, you know, I don't really have a need, you know, not that I need anything. He said, because I have learned this one thing, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Everybody say content. Verse 12, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13, we can all quote this. If you can quote it, say it with me. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Amen. One version writes it this way. I know how to live when I am in a humble circumstance, and I know how to live when I abound. I have learned the secret of being happy in any and all circumstances, and that's simply to be content. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul was saying he learned the secret of being happy, and that's the title of my message this morning, The Greatest Secret of all is contentment. Amen? Greet your neighbor before you're seated. 
Tell him you're glad to see him in the house of the Lord. Tell him let's have church. Paul finds this great secret that he's learned. He says, I've learned this, that no matter what the circumstances are, I'm going to be content. Now, I don't know what your circumstances are here this morning, but we're going to look into the great secret that Paul laid upon. One of the greatest men uh, in the Bible wrote over half of the New Testament, went on great missionary journeys used mightily by the hand of God. But he said that I've learned this secret, this great secret to be content no matter what state that I find myself in, I'm going to be content. The definition for contentment has many different definitions, but one of them that I ran across simply means to raise up a barrier. We look at contentment as kind of being a passive word, but perhaps it's, not, it's a lot more than just that. Paul says, I'm raising up a barrier with circumstances that are around me. I'm not going to be fearful. I'm not going to be discouraged. I am raising up this barrier. It looks like things aren't going my way. It doesn't seem like you know, anything's going right for me, but I'm raising up a barrier in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to be content. Or perhaps things are really going good. Paul's saying you still need to raise up a barrier because that can be just as detrimental to things not going good. The Bible tells us that they were increased with goods and have need of nothing, even God. Let us never get to the place in this great country that we live in abundance and we have all the, the luxuries of kings of days gone by. Air conditioning, heat, automobiles, all the comforts that we could ever have, all the technology that we would ever want, anything that we would ever need. Let it not be a thing that stands in the way of us and our God. We have to raise up that barrier. To be where Paul was in a contented state, no matter what his situation. He knew how to be prosperous, and he knew how to be in trouble, but he was content. I'm not going to be fearful in this situation. I'm not going to get discouraged. Amen. Another definition to it meant simply to sail away. In the midst of your troubles, just sail away. Have you ever felt like doing that? I'm not going to fret over this. I'm just going to sail away. Now, I'm not suggesting here this morning that we escape reality. It's all around us. Amen. But as far as us worrying and fretting over things that are out of our control, there's sometimes we just need to get on that old ship of Zion and sail away. The Bible says, casting your care upon me. Hallelujah. For he careth for each and every one of you. No matter what the circumstances are, it's the joy of the Lord that is my strength. We look at 4.13 in Philippians and we can all quote it. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. 
but it's really in response to the fact that Paul said, I have this secret to be content. There's a correlation between the two, the contentment and the power of God that is in your life. In other words, he's saying, I'm leaving it in your hands, Lord. I'm going to be content no matter where I am. I'm going to be even killed no matter where I am in my walk with you, Lord. Circumstances are going to surround me. Things are going to come upon me. But I am going to trust in the name of the Lord. And I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. In Acts chapter 26, we find Paul in a situation of what I'm going to say, he's having a bad day. I look at that and I was watching the video of the orphanage there and the kids, did you catch the part where they wrapped faked presents? And that just break your heart. My grandkids had at least four or five different Christmases because of people at different times of the family. And they had at least 10 to 15 presents each time, most of which probably went unappreciated. But to think that those kids wrapped fake gifts. And every time I think about the missionary field, and every time I go be, have the privilege to be overseas, I always come back saying, I've never had a bad day. I don't even know what a bad day is. And I'm not trying to diminish anybody's circumstances here this morning. I know they can be devastating, especially in, in the moment of the hour. But why I am saying that we have strength through Jesus Christ. When we look in the Acts of chapter number 26, we find Paul kind of having a bad day. He's standing before the governor, King Agrippa. Perhaps he has the power to take off his head. And he's standing there to give a response to the accusations against him about him causing uprisings within the Jewish community. But this is what Paul said. He said, I think myself happy. <laughs> now, I can't say I'm that spiritual to be able to do that. I'd be probably crawling under the pew there or whatever it is in the courtroom and crying and bawling and saying, oh God, why am I in this situation? But not Paul, because he found the secret, contentment. He could say, I think myself happy. Think simply means to drive, to carry, or to lead. And you know, sometimes if we're not careful, there's a lot of power in what we tell ourselves. Some of you are thinking yourself crazy. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. You're telling yourself. You're driving yourself crazy. Some of you are carrying yourself to defeat. There's no hope. Can't make it. Here I go again. Some of you are leading yourself into negativity. Amen? Come on now. As a matter of fact... That's really the only positive thing about you, that you're positively negative. In a stronger sense, think means to govern or to have rule over. Now, we have to come to the understanding of the power 
of this statement when Paul says, I think myself happy. Paul is standing before a natural governor, King Agrippa, who has the power to change the course of his life or to take his life. But Paul says, I'm bringing another king to the table. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. I want you to know no matter what your circumstances are, how bleak they may be, how it seems insurmountable, I want you to know I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Hallelujah. All power in heaven and earth belong to that name, the name of Jesus. Nothing can come against us. Amen. Don't allow the enemy to cloud your thoughts and your thinking into thinking that you're defeated, into thinking that you're crazy, you're going the wrong way. Amen. To always being negative. We have to think ourselves happy. I said, they already think we're a little crazy out there in the world, right? We need to think ourselves happy. I don't know. I'm just happy. We need to get on an old boat and just sail away. Drift on out there. Hallelujah. Because we got a God in heaven uh, that has everything in control. Uh, we need to relinquish our will unto him uh, and allow him to fight our battles. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But the secret, the great secret that Paul lived by was contentment. Amen. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Paul knew the secret of raising that barrier and refused to be intimidated. Paul was an even keel. He was exciting. He was, seemed always to be in a happy mode, if you will. He is, maybe you remember that old song, I'm not only going to make it, but I'm going to enjoy the trip. Anybody remember that song? If I was a good singer, I'd like to sing it for you today, but I'll spare you the pain and the agony. It's a great song. I'm not only going to make it, but I'm going to enjoy the trip. I've made up my mind. There's no turning back. This is it. Hallelujah. I want you to know that when we become content in Jesus Christ, we can have a made-up mind. It doesn't come, matter what comes our way. Doesn't matter what the circumstances are that surround me. I'm made up my mind. I'm going through. This is it. I'm living for Jesus. I'm going to live for Him no matter what comes my way. Hallelujah. I read an inter interesting article about the Pony Express. Anybody ever heard of the Pony Express? Now, I worked for the post office for many years, and I've always had to live at the brunt of the jokes of the Pony Express still exists today, and that's a meaning that we're slow. But the Pony Express has actually uh, been gone since 1861. The company only lasted a short 19 months, yet everybody in this room probably recognizes that name, the Pony Express. It was put out of business because of technological advancements. Does anybody know what that might be? The telegraph. The telegraph. Put them out of business. Amen. The Pony Express was a private company that carried mail by an organized relay of horseback riders across a series 
of 184 stations. The eastern end was St. Joseph, Missouri, and the western terminal was in Sacramento, California. The cost of, spending a half, of sending a half-ounce letter by Pony Express varied from $25 to $125 in today's dollars. So don't be complaining about the cost of postage. <laughs> if the horses held out and the weather and the Indians held off, that letter would complete the nearly 2,000-mile journey in a speedy 8 to 10 days. When the telegraph line was completed between the two cities, the horseback service was no longer needed. Being a rider for the Pony Express was a tough job. You were expected to cover 75 to 100 miles a day, riding hard day and night, changing horses every 10 to 15 miles. Other than the mail you carried, little else besides a revolver, a revolver and a knife in order to travel light and to increase speed and mobility during Indian attacks. The men rode in short sleeves whenever possible, sometimes even during the fierce winter weather. So how would you recruit volunteers for this hazardous job? What kind of an advertisement could you put forth for this? Mr. Roberts, who was a superintendent for the western end of the express, is said to have placed this ad in the San Francisco newspaper in March 1816. Wanted, young, skinny, wiry fellows, not over 18 years old, must be expert riders willing to risk death daily. Orphans preferred. Now that sounds like a pretty enticing advertisement, doesn't it? Yeah, I think I'll apply for that job willing to risk death daily. The fact of it all is that those people, the Pony Express, they never suffered a shortage of applicants and riders. But those were the honest facts that the service required. We need a similar honesty with the facts about serving God like the Pony Express. Serving God is not a job for the casually interested. It's a costly service. God asks you for your life. Whosoever shall lose his life shall save it. He requires that service to him become a priority, not just a pastime. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. He does not want servants who offer, them, offer to him the leftovers after the other commitments. Serving God isn't just a short-term responsibility. Not just for the 19 months that the Pony Express was in existence. For his kingdom will never end. You've got to be in this for the duration. For the lifetime. It's got to be a life style for you. Amen? Not just a pastime. Not just coming into the midst feeling good in the services and just going on. But God requires the death of each and every one of us. The mental picture that we have of the Pony Express probably compares to the one imagined by the young men of 1860 who read that newspaper ad. Scenes of excitement, camaraderie, and the thrill of adventure filled their heads as they went over to the express office to apply. 
Yet few of them envisioned that the excitement would only occasionally punctuate the routine of a long, hard hours and the loneliness of the work. I want you to understand this morning, or to remind you if you've forgotten, the discipline of serving God is like that. Not my will, Lord, but thy will. Nowhere in the Bible does the Bible promise us a happy journey, successful all the way through with no problems or trials. The daily realities of such a life often aren't filled with the adventure. Actually, the master's call is come and die. Come and die. Not a very appealing advertisement, but come and die. Instead, it seems that far more calmly, Christ's call is to us to die a death by degrees. In other words, you get up every day and there's a new death that you have to die. A new battle that you're going to have to battle. A new race that you're going to have to enter. And until we reach the other side, it's going to arise in our lives each and every day. It seems as though you never actually arrive. Paul said it this way, I die daily. We're drawn to the appeal of service when it holds out the promise of bold adventure and, and excitement. Perhaps being a part of the Messiah play, the Messiah drama, or being a part of Hands for Healing and feeding over a thousand people a week, being a part of a mission team that builds churches in a third world country, or praying someone through to the Holy Ghost in a power-packed service. These are all exciting and noble endeavors of the church. But in reality, those experiences are short-lived compared to the reality of the race. For instance, the Messiah drama may last three or four nights of performance at two hours apiece. A food drive for hand for healing lasts perhaps for an afternoon. Only a week or two would be the length of a mission trip that you would take. And in about a half an hour service at the altar, it would be over Two weeks, two to three times a week max if you're at every service. The fact remains that if you make every service, service, both Sunday services, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday evening service, you will spend approximately six hours a week in service. Now there's 168 hours in a week, of which 162 of those hours will be spent for you normally outside the church, outside the excitement, outside the adventure of the moment, just you and your walk with the Lord. And what I'm trying to say is that it's not the excitement of the moment, but the reality that the warfare continues on this daily basis. The fight of a loneliness of a morning prayer time. Now, we are encouraging everyone to be a part of this team that prays every morning. And I pray every morning. And I would just like to say, maybe it's different for you. It's not always easy peasy, lemon squeezy, as my granddaughter would say. 
There's sometimes when you get up in the morning and you go to that prayer closet and you can't feel God. You don't feel like being there. There's times when you're tired. Now that's usually the other way in prayer. God will meet you there, but not always. We got to remember that there's going to be a loneliness in the morning prayer time. But only you and God are going to know. Only you and your own walk are left alone. The crucifying of the flesh through fasting once a week. A daily routine of reading the word of God will even become a drudgery at times. You will at times feel disconnected from the world in which we live, and rightfully so. A pilgrim in a foreign land desiring to be home. You become a representative from a foreign country, not really understanding the language or the culture that surrounds you. At least we shouldn't. <laughs> I hope you're uncomfortable out there in the world. A culture that surrounds us, feeling a bit out of place and unaccepted. The Bible, however, admonishes us to come out from among them and be separate. Amidst all the things that we have as a pilgrim in this journey, Paul knew the secret that the one thing that he needed was to be content no matter where he found himself in his walk for the Lord. No matter what his surroundings, no matter where he was, he was content in Jesus Christ. He was going to raise up that barrier. He was going to drift away on that ship if need be. Amen. But he was not going to be intimidated by the things of the world that surrounded him. He had found the secret of being content. And he, then he could rely on the fact that his strength came from the Lord Jesus Christ. This call is still the same today for any man that cometh after me, he says, Jesus says, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. But just like the Pony Express, the church will never lack volunteers. The church is never going to lack applicants. You know why? Because Jesus said upon this rock. I'm going to build my church. He's going to have a church. I said he's going to have a church. And not even the gates of hell can prevail against the church of the living God. Oh, yes, he is. I want to be a part of the church. The only question that we have today is, are you and am I going to be a part of the church. <laughs> He's, Jesus is going to have a church. There's never a lack or a shortage of people that are desiring to get into the race and to get into the ring. Amen? Because Jesus is always going to put it on the hearts and the minds of individuals to do the work of God in these ending days. To reach this world, hallelujah, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter what comes, no matter what may, in our lives, hallelujah, he's looking for volunteers that are willing to risk their life 
daily. Hallelujah. We are admonished. Run the race with patience. Fight a good fight. He tells them, he says, you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. That doesn't sound like much fun. But he that endureth to the end. Enduring. That doesn't sound like much fun either, do we? We like to sit on our couch and not endure. But he says, you're going to have to endure this and endure it into the end. But if you will, you'll be saved. Hallelujah. He tells them, this is, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. At times, in our walk with God, we will want things to change. Circumstances to change. There'll be times where we're so desperate for a move of God to change the situation. At times we'll get so frustrated with others that we'll want others to change. We'll desire for a change. But in all, all along, God keeps challenging us to change. Bishop touched on it this morning. Repentance. It's a change. It's an about face. It's saying, Lord, not my will, but thy will. I need a change. I don't care about my circumstances. I found the secret to that. I don't care about others and what they're doing, but Lord, I, change me. Don't wish so much for your life to change. Wish for you to change. Amen. To be a servant means to be a slave with no rights. To keep silent in times when you're overlooked, underappreciated, and do things that perhaps goes unrecognized. But someone is keeping good records. I said someone is keeping good records. And his name is Jesus Christ. Don't look for your reward down here. Look unto Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He's the author. He's the finisher of your faith. Amen. And it's going to be worth it all, church. I said it's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth every long mile. It's going to be worth every heartache, every trial. It's going to be worth it all. Some beautiful, happy day when Jesus splits the eastern sky, calls his church home. We'll be shouting on the other shore. I made it. I made it. I made it. Hallelujah. That's why we can say like the psalmist David, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving uh, and unto his courts with praise. Hallelujah. Be thankful unto him uh, and bless his holy name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. Can you just lift up your hands and praise him right now? We love you, Lord. Uh, for you are good. Uh, you are great, O oh Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 
praise you, mighty God. One of these days you're going to hear him say, Well done, uh, thy good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. I want to conclude with this in Luke chapter number 14, verse 28. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth down not first and counteth the cost, whether he has sufficient to finish it? Least happily after he had laid the foundation is not able to finish it. And all that behold it begin to mock him. In this portion of scripture we find that intending to build a tower. What is your intention this morning? Why are you here? Is it just to pass the time? Maybe to see somebody? Maybe to have the good feeling of a worship service? Paul writes in Romans, for I am persuaded. He said, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, everybody say life, life can't separate you. The circumstances, the ups and downs of life can't separate you. Angels can't do it. Principalities can't do it. I'll put my own thoughts in there. The devils, the imps, and all the powers of hell can't do it nor things present, nor things to come, height or depth or any other creature shall be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. The question is, are you persuaded? What is your intention? Do you have an inward certainty? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm just going to raise up that barrier. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice. It may be the worst day in your life, but you can raise up that barrier. That contentment and say, this is the day that you made, Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. You have to bend your will. And we can do that. Because we know the secret, the greatest secret of all. The one that Paul found. And that was to be content. And when you do, you will find that through Christ, you will have your strength. We have to count the cost. Lay a foundation. Be committed. That's why pastors put in the bulletin there to, to pray and to fast and to read your word and be a part of the team. Not just we can get a big number of people to do that, but, but it's what it's going to take in your life to make it to the other side. You're going to have to be committed. A young Malaysian girl came to get baptized. The pastor baptized her and noticed a suitcase over against the wall. The pastor then asked the question, where did this suitcase come from? Whose is it? An usher ran over to him and told him that it was the young girl's. Because her father had told her that if she got baptized, she couldn't live at home anymore. Her suitcase represents her commitment. <laughs> 
We're asking you to fill out a little piece of paper, you know, say I'll pray 15 minutes a day, fast once a week. And we just don't understand sometimes. That should be the minimal thing. And I'm not getting on anybody. I'm doing the same thing and have to be reminded about it. But you got to lay the foundation. Hallelujah. That commitment. Comparatively, I've said it before, I've never seen a bad day. He also said that you need to finish this house that you're building. We need to finish strong. And I don't know how your life has been up to this point, but I want you to know that you can finish strong. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Yesterday, as far as God's concern, is over. You get it under the blood, ask the forgiveness of it. He doesn't even remember it anymore. Today, you can finish strong. Hallelujah. Today, we can finish with everything that God wants. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Let's lift him up right now. Lord, we love you. We glorify you. You are great, O oh Lord, greatly to be praised. We're looking unto you, Lord. You're the author. You're the finisher of our faith. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah for the privilege to be a part of the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How's your commitment this morning? How's your contentment? I invite you to come to the altar this morning. Renew your commitment to the Lord. And remember this. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Amen. If you've not been baptized yet in Jesus' name, make that commitment this morning. We've got the baptistry ready. You can be baptized in Jesus' name. Just tell somebody up here at the altar, we'll baptize you in Jesus' name. If you've never received the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues, I want you to know it's a gift for everyone that's here today. And it's for you. Hallelujah. You can get that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Maybe you need to make, make a commitment to be taught the Word of God or to teach a Bible study. I'm inviting you to come. No matter what, though, we all need to come to this altar, renew our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, and say, God, I need you. I'm nothing without you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. Do your work, O oh Lord, like only you can do it. Move in this altar, O oh God. See the hungry hearts, oh God, the desires of each and every one of your children. We love you, Lord. We believe in you. Let the power of the Holy Spirit saturate us, God. Let us begin a new commitment to you today, oh Lord, and to finish this race strong. We're on the last lap, almighty God. Let us not be wearying in well-doing, oh Lord, for in due season we shall reap. Hallelujah. Thank you for the promises of the word of God. Let us die daily in the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.